You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So if you have your Bibles, uh, which would be a good thing, or if you want to go onto the YearVersion app, it should be there. If it's not, um, send Tammy Kennedy an email uh, and just let her know uh, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you want. So just do that. Um, Otherwise, go to John chapter 1, verse 35, 39. Y'all awake? Are you sure? Yeah, you good? You good? Okay, all right. Just want to make sure. Because, I mean, Savannah and I are awake. I just want to make sure everybody else is good. All right, so, all right, you're there. All right, so, John chapter, uh, John chapter 1, verse 35. Obviously, we know John's prologue, right? The Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, talking about Jesus. He segues and talks about John. Then he comes back and talks about Jesus. Then he comes back and talks about John meeting Jesus. John chapter 1, 35 to 39. All right, the next day John was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, What are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? He replied, Say it with me. Come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying. They they remained with him that day. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's the text. There's John the baptizer, right? A hard-looking man dressed in his camel hair, with a conviction in his voice that to some sounds much like anger as he shouts, Repent! Right? The time has come, unless you repent, you will not see God. We know that that was John's ministry. We read it in the other Gospels, that that was his vocation. His message isn't very popular with the religious leaders, but it's somehow still compelling. The passers-by attention is drawn to him like our attention is sometimes drawn to a terrible highway accident. You just can't stop looking, even though you don't know if it's terrible or if it's okay, and they're both disturbed and hopeful, shocked and amazed, but either way, the passers-by of this rough-looking hard man dressed in camel hair shouting at everybody, repent, either way, they're listening. Some, no doubt, are like us, feel they are busy with many things and just exhausted. Some feel, no doubt, like us, that they are drifting through life and nothing is ever really going to happen. For them, Rome is in charge and occupy their home. They make promises of peace and prosperity, Rome does, because that's what the empire does. It makes promises of peace and prosperity. Jewish upper class, of whom there are many, they're certainly receiving the rewards of the promises of peace and prosperity. But the rest of them, There's no middle class, really. The rest of them are just wondering if the trickle-down effect will ever trickle. Repent, John shouts. Turn away from placing your hopes in the wrong things and offering your loyalty to the wrong kingdoms. That's what John the baptizer is saying. He extends this invitation and he speaks deep. Deep into the hearts of the listeners, at least that's what Andrew and his friend John feel. 
So Andrew and John become John the baptizer's disciples. They follow him. Now one day Jesus passes by and John looks at him and points and with his gruff voice he shouts, Look, the Lamb of God. John knew that all people were sinners and needed to repent. John knew that he could do nothing about taking away their sins and only God could do that and it would take a special sacrificial lamb. Look, John says, this is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. Andrew and John, eager to start a new beginning, they begin to follow Jesus. And after a while, Jesus turns around and says, what are you looking for? Kind of an odd question to ask. Why are you studying me? And what do they say? We want to be your disciples. No, they don't say that. We want to obey your teaching. They don't say that. We want to go to heaven when we die. They don't say that. We want our sins forgiven. They don't say that. What do they say? Where are you staying? Be with me now. Come on. Y'all with me? No, no, no. Are you with me? I told you that we're going to change the dynamic here. Are you with me this morning? We, we in the conversation. All right, so what the, what what? What do they ask? Where are you staying? In other words, where can we spend time with you? Where do you live so we can be there for a minute? How can we keep company with you? How can we just be in your presence? And Jesus says, what? Come and see. He doesn't say, come and I will change you. He doesn't say, come, be my disciples. He doesn't say, take up your cross. Not yet. He just says, what? Come and see. Or to put another way, come on. Be with me and sit a minute. My grandma used to say. Be present with me. Give me your undivided attention. Listen and look around. Get to know me. Church, that's the invitation. Right there in that moment in Andrew and John's bodies, in their heads and their hearts, in their eyes and their ears, in their minds and their mouths, in their hands and their feet, in their full Jewish brown skin bodies, Jesus invites them to be in his presence, his real, tangible presence. That day, text tells us, they willingly went with him and stayed the rest of the day. And John wants us to know it's about four o'clock. And I can't help but wonder if in Jesus they saw a very different man than John, right? John in his gruff camel hair with a shouting voice looking like he just climbed out of the woods to preach. Baptizing people, getting all over the Pharisees and the Sadducees and religious leaders. This bold, loud man. And then they see Jesus and they see this poor, humble, 
peacemaking presence who possesses this controlled and measured strength, whose heart is fully committed to the reign of God, they see the Lamb of God who has the power to free the world from the reign of sin and death. The liberator. But not like John. What dawns on me in this text and with the help of some friends of mine like a Henry Nowen and a St. John of the Cross and others is that before we ever are invited to follow Jesus as our gracious, gracious heavenly host, He invites us just to come and see. Before we're even told to take up a cross, to never look back, to leave all that we have behind. We're invited to just come and see, to listen, to ask questions and be attentive to the presence of Jesus who makes God's presence real and tangible. Right here, right now, every day in our bodies, in our heads and hearts, with our eyes and ears and our minds and mouths and hands and feet, Jesus invites us to come and just see. We're told that God wants to be our home our dwelling place. And we read in the Old Testament where God reveals himself as a mother. You remember that? Where he reveals himself as a midwife and says, as a pregnant mother wouldn't forget you, I will not forget you. We see God as mother. We see God as father. We see God as homemaker. We see God as generous and gracious host. And in this text, we see God as Jesus. It's like Henry Nowen said, God wants to be our room, our house. He wants to be anything that makes us feel at home. She is like a bird hugging us under her wings, which is Henry referencing Jesus looking out at Jerusalem, saying, like a mother hen, I tried to guide you. I tried to, I tried to take you in. She's like a woman holding us in her womb, which is Henry Nowen's reference to the psalm and to the Isaiah text that says, I would never forget you as if a mother could forget their child. She's infinite mother, loving host, caring father, the good provider who invites us to join him. This kind of intimate relationship with God through Jesus comes to us by the one Jesus calls later the Spirit. In John 6, later on in his own story, he reminds us that Andrew and John and all those had come had seen and then decided to follow. And in that decision to follow, hear Jesus say, the Spirit is the one who gives life and the flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Time and again, Jesus says, I want to give you my spirit. You know what the Greek word for spirit is, right? We've talked about this a million times in nine years. It's pneuma, which means what? Breath. So I need you to think that through. Jesus looks at his people who decide to come and see and decide to follow. And he says, I want to give you my breath. Do you catch that? I want to give you my breath. My holy breath. Does it get more intimate than that? Does it get more tender than that? Does it get more profound than that? To some of us, we might think, does it get more awkward than that? And maybe because there is a little awkwardness is why Jesus says, hey, hey, yo, yo like, I, just, I just want you to come and see. 
Come and see if the breath you breathe is working out for you, right? Come and see if the breath that Rome is trying to breathe into your nostrils and your lungs is working for you. Just come and see if the breath I have to breathe is the kind of breath that can give you life. And finally, maybe once and for all in all, your fears of anxiety and scarcity make you breathe. Jesus is saying that he wants us to have his breathing, the most intimate part of him, so that our relationship with him is as close to him as his relationship is with the Father. And so as John unfolds his gospel, just to make sure that we're clear with how he's tracking, he gets us to an encounter where Jesus is with the disciples and he's told them some hard things and all this promise of, him being their breathing, starting to get questioned because Jesus is talking about leaving. And so Jesus says in John 14, verse 1, don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me, so that where I am you will be also. And you know the way to the place I'm going. And Thomas, Thomas does what Jesus invites us to do. Ask. Everybody say ask. He asks. Because sometimes we doubt and we just got to ask. And it is okay. You hear me? It's okay. And Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really known me, you will also know the Father from now on. You know him and have seen him. And my favorite verse in all of John comes later on, just a few verses later, when Jesus answers and he says, whoever will keep my word, in other words, whoever trusts me in this, my Father will love them and will, we will come to them and make our what? What, what, what's it say? Come on now, one more time. Home. With him. Where do you live? Like, where do you live? See, the invitation that Andrew and John received is to come and see the place where God lives and to be with him. It's an invitation to listen, ask questions, and be attentive to the presence of Jesus who makes God's presence real. And once you come, you do not go back out into the world without Christ because Christ is with you and there you are, there Christ will be also. My question is, do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? That you have the Holy Spirit, the holy breath of God in you. Outside of God's presence, all of our thoughts and words mean little, if nothing. But when we share in the intimate life of God Himself, the Father, Son, and Spirit, who invites us into beloved community with Himself and His people as a family, imperfect and as jacked up as we can be, our words and thoughts change over time and mean more than we could ever imagine. We can do more than we could ever imagine. We never again set out to do life alone. Christ is with us. We just sang it. And we're a part of His family, the church. We're not alone unless we choose to be. And even when we choose to be where we are, Christ is also. 
So how? How does this happen? Well, I want to give you, I want to give you a response. Everybody say, listen. That's the first response. When Jesus says, come and see, the first response isn't to get to work. Some of us love to work, don't we? No, nah, not really. But some of us, we're busybodies, right? Like, I'm here, Jesus, what can I do? What can I do? You got some people I need to help? Got, what, you, what you got? What you got, Jesus? And he's like, come and see. The first thing is to listen. We listen. You respond to the invitation by listening to people like John the Baptist. If John the Baptist hadn't said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, would Andrew have John had known Jesus walked by? Would he? No, they wouldn't have known. Andrew and John would have never known. The gospel shows us, the gospel shows us over and over again that sometimes we have to listen to somebody else to point us to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Come on, now are you hearing me? We got to change the coffee. Like, like you got to hear me. Like, we don't, we don't have to find Jesus on our own. As a matter of fact, the gospel tells us we can't find Jesus on our own. Somebody's got to say something, and then somebody's got to listen. And what I'm learning is I can't listen if I'm always saying something. Am I right? Someone points us to Jesus, and someone is always pointing us to Jesus again and again. And here's the thing. The person pointing us to Jesus may not be exciting. The person pointing us to Jesus may not even be easy to like. Can I get a witness on that one? Some of y'all are like, yeah, we're listening to one right now. But you got to love me. Like, like, that's the deal, right? Like, some of us, they, they, they may aggravate us. They may not fit our preferences. They may go against our, against our prejudices, we may look at them and think, look at how they act. We may look at them and think, look at how they believe. We may look at them and think, look at how they vote. We may look at them and think, look at what they believe and what they support. And we need to know that we need to listen to people even like that. People who even make us feel uncomfortable or we may not even feel fond of because maybe, maybe they irritate you. Maybe they are what you think. Maybe they are all that you believe. Maybe they do not fit your preferences or hold your ideological commitments. Maybe they are even awkward, but yes, they can still point you to Jesus. Sometimes they point you to Jesus by asking you a question of, where's Jesus in that? Sometimes they point you to Jesus by asking you a question that makes you think about Jesus. Sometimes they point you to Jesus because they come into your life making you remember that you need Jesus. <laughs> Lord, I need Jesus to love this brother. But either way, they point you to Jesus. And if you're too busy walking by and brushing them aside, writing them off, not listening to them, thinking that your confirmation bias is the thing to go with and you're only going to find people you agree with and read the things you agree with and listen to the things you agree with, you're going to miss the things that you don't, which always, always, always point us to Jesus if we have actually come and seen Jesus. Fruit of the Spirit can't be patience if there's nobody in our life testing our patience. The fruit of the Spirit can't be kindness if there's no one in our life in need of kindness. We have to listen. Sometimes it's going to be people's not necessarily easy to listen to. Sometimes it will be. Sometimes it'll be people we need to hear told the story many times I'll tell it one more time when the new town situation went down and all those children were shot 
years ago and I stood in this place right here in the second gathering and I tried to offer a prayer that I'd worked hard to write because I knew I couldn't trust myself to pray in the moment because we as a church needed to speak to the things that happen in our society like we always try to do. And I got through about the first three lines of that prayer and didn't think I was going to make it anymore. Sister Robin was sitting right there in that chair and I heard her voice and in the midst of that silence and in the midst of my tears choking them back, she simply said, come on, Fred. With the come on, Fred, pointing me to Jesus. We've got to listen. Thing is, you don't listen if you already know everything, do you? That's part of the problem. It may not be a direct question someone asks. It may be how we see them live and how they worship or pray. It may be the way we see them following Jesus. It may be the song they sing or the song they send in a text message. It may be the book they suggest us read. They may still aggravate us and make us feel uncomfortable, but yet they can point us to Jesus. If you'll listen, if you'll be aware, if you'll listen. Because if we don't, if we don't learn to listen, we may miss Jesus. Without John the Baptist, Andrew and John would not have seen Jesus. Andrew and John would have been too busy debating John the Baptizer's theology. They may have missed Jesus. If Andrew and John would have been too busy critiquing John's political ideology, y'all with me on that? Because make no mistake, John the Baptizer was a political brother, which is why the king had him beheaded. You don't get beheaded by the king unless you have some politics problems. If they'd have been too busy arguing about that, they may have missed Jesus. We have to listen. And if we listen, we might find somebody pointing us to Jesus. But then after we listen, we need to ask. Say ask. We ask. Andrew and John asked Jesus. What do they ask him? Where do you stay? We want to follow Jesus we need to know who he is we need to ask him some questions we need to ask him what he's doing we need to we need to realize we don't have all the answers and we need to understand that we're not going to have all the answers but we need to be unafraid to ask him you have to ask Lord how do I be with you I want to follow you I'm not sure what it means to follow you I've seen others who follow you and I'm not very impressed help me see you more clearly in my life and maybe in the life of others Lord I need to know Jesus invites us to ask over and over again in the biblical text. Jesus invites us to ask. But then once we ask, we need to make a decision. And I want to encourage us. The best decision we can make is to stay. Everybody say stay. We listen, we ask, and we stay. We stay. Andrew and John stayed all afternoon with Jesus. We have to stay with Jesus. We have to be willing to not get easily bored or distracted. Can I get a witness on that one? Because some of y'all are like, what's for lunch? We got to stay. We've got to stay. He's invited us to be there for a purpose. 
and he wants our presence, and he will not leave us even in the silence. He may be silent, but he is still there. Jesus loves us too much to play games with our lives. He's not going to look at you, and every one of you have received him. Every one of you here, every one of us, are hearing the words of Jesus. I happen to be the squirrely guy pointing you to Jesus today, right? Like every one of us are hearing Jesus say to you, come on and see. And even if you receive that, come on and see. Like, he may not say much after that. He may just say, come on and see. But just because he doesn't speak doesn't mean he's not there. He wouldn't invite you to come on and see if he didn't have something for you to what? To see. Sometimes we get bored and distracted and we don't see. Sometimes we don't see what we want to see. And then sometimes we just do what the easy thing is to do, and that is to what? To leave. And Jesus wants us to stay. He wants us to come on and see what God's doing in these people. Come on and see what God's doing in the world. Come on and see what God's doing in these relationships. Come on and see. His Spirit, His holy breath that gives us spiritual life invites us to come and see and convicts us to stay. And when we stay, we might need some practices. How do you stay? When you drive to work, drive with your radio off and just stay, come and see. I know that you might listen to your K-Love or your The Journey. You might do that, I get it. But sometimes you need to turn it off and just be still and come on and see. Sometimes when you walk in the school, when you walk in the class, and you got your buds in, and you're forgetting that traffic's all around you, by the way, when you're riding your bike with your earbuds in, or when you're driving and you're texting, which I never do, except maybe five times a week, and you do that, it's hard to come and see. Sometimes we need to stop. Sometimes we need to open Scripture and ask questions about the text and ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want us to learn? And you read them and you ask them questions and then you ask them questions and you listen and then you listen and you just stay. You stay. You stay right in front of the text. You don't close it. You don't flip it. You don't get on your phone. You don't decide nothing's, nothing's happening. You just stay. You stay in front of the text. You stay. You sit and stay until something tells you it's time to close it up. And the something that tells you it's time to close it up can't be the something you got to do next. It needs to be the someone inside. We got to stay. Stay for a while. Phone away. Just you and the holy breath. Say holy breath. The holy breath of Jesus. Don't say I'm too busy. Please don't say I, I have better things to do. Please just be there and stay. And don't say please that I already do morning devotionals. Praise God that you do. Look at other things and in other ways to be with him every day. Pray and discover and learn to be still in his presence. Stay because that's what love does. It stays. Even when it's hard. Jesus proves this to us. He invites us to receive it. To be at home with him. Listen, ask and stay every day. And what we may find is that we'll slowly grow. We'll slowly grow at home with Jesus. At home with Jesus. And we'll follow him. And I do think it's critical that we follow him. Because when we're invited to follow him, it's a journey away from ourselves. Say away from ourselves. 
Because receiving an invitation is to be with him and to be away from me and to find a new me with him. Are you with me? But the thing is, this isn't about moving from my own self. This, is about, this isn't about moving in light of my own self-concerns. This is about moving away from my self-concerns toward God. Following Jesus is not a way to find yourself. It's a way to find who? Jesus, in whom you might end up finding yourself. So when we sit before the text, when we pray the prayers, when we sing the songs, when we sit still, when we come into the company of the people of God and we're invited to listen and to ask and to stay, we find Jesus. Look, man, if you were here last week and you saw what this church is doing, you saw Jesus. Am I right? In all of his imperfect ways. But if you're here right now, you see Jesus. When you look at these 163 kids that have been brought to our attention, we have a chance to see Jesus. Now, will we go to them and say, come and see? With these kids on the wall back here in Kenya who are AIDS orphans, who've been abandoned and abused. Will we look at them and say, come and see what we have seen? When you look at all these tables set up for Next Steps Day next weekend and all the ways to get engaged into the activities of the movements of God in this body of Christ where we're learning what it means to come and see, will you listen, will you ask, and will you stay, or will you just walk by? When you get that phone call from somebody who says, I feel like I've got something I need to share, will you listen and ask and stay? When you walk by and you see that person who doesn't look like they're having a good day and you say, how you're doing? And they say, I'm all right. And you say, well, I hope everything works out for you. Will you step back and listen and ask and stay? And maybe together come and see Jesus. Or are we just busy, distracted, and forgetting that every person we encounter might just be the person that points us to Jesus? People have always said, I want to know and I want to experience Jesus. And the people that want to experience Jesus thinks Jesus is found in a praise song or a prayer in a Bible study. And sometimes it can be. But I tell you, Jesus is found in the trenches of life and he's always found in the margins. He is found in the lives of people you do not want anything to do with. And if you don't believe that's true, it's probably because you haven't listened, asked, and you sure hadn't stayed. In other words, you can't stay with Jesus sometimes if all you ever want to do is stay at home. Because then you're forgetting what home is. Home is not a place we lay our head. Home is with Jesus. The invitation, this is the grid of it all. The grid of the invitation is to come and see. But then the grid of the invitation that follows is to come and see and follow. To be with God. To come and be invited into a learning of self-emptying and self-giving. To leave the familiar place of self. And in the words of Jesus, the familiar place of self. Say familiar place of self. The things that are familiar and comfortable to us, even if it means our house, our brothers, our sisters, our mother, our father, our children, our farms, our workplaces. To be willing to follow him into these places to find the mothers and the fathers, sisters and brothers and farms and work that he's always had in 
always intended for us to receive and maybe even to do. The invitation is to come and see, to listen. Say listen, to ask, and to stay. Where we become new people and we get a new name. Abraham heard the invitation of God. He came and saw. And what did Abraham, what did Abraham get? A new name. Abraham became Abraham. Simon saw Jesus, responded to the invitation to come and see and follow him. And Simon got a new name. Peter. Saul received an invitation to come and see. He got a new name. Paul. You are receiving an invitation to come and see where you find a new way, a new life, and a new name. That's why the Apostle Peter said, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, People for his possession to proclaim the mighty deeds of the one who called us out of darkness to his marvelous light. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.